Welcome, everybody, to the Mod Pod. We are on our ninth episode, um, our ninth episode since the uh, 2020 election. Um, we are now officially in the final stages, hopefully, of the uh, transition from Trump to Biden. I have with me my host, or uh, co-host, sorry, co-host, Paul Bertsall. Paul. Are you reporting live from D.C.? Hell no. Are you kidding? What? You, you're you supposed to be dedicated to the show, man. Yeah, I'm also not trying to get sniped from a rooftop. This is our moment, Paul. You're you're supposed to be the, the eyes on the ground. You missed you miss the capital insurrection. I don't think you could even get anywhere near the building. I mean, they. Look, I mean, they have yeah. lost the city back. You missed the Capitol insurrection. You're missing the inauguration with the smallest crowd ever, and you miss pretty much all the Trump rallies. Like, what are you doing? Are you Are you dedicated to this show? I need commitment. I need commitment. I need a raise first. <laughs> hey, look, before we get this show started, I want to let you know that this show is brought to you by Paw Patrol Gummy Snacks. They are the official gummy snack of this show. Uh, shout out to my three-year-old son as I just raided through his um, his snacks for school. They are incredible. I'm hooked. If you guys have kids, if you're listening you got kids, the Paw Patrol Gummy Snacks is what you need to get into. Trust me on that one, okay? So it's, it's going to be a big thing. That kid is going to – you are going to wake up, and that kid is going to be getting ready to smother you with a pillow if you ever hear that. Oh man, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fight him. Like, uh, I'm, I'm all right. You know, I'm not even gonna make an insurrection joke. This show will not be about insurrection jokes. We do have some serious things to talk about in this show. Um, the show was originally supposed to be about QAnon, but as I have done an extensive amount of research over the last five days and talked to a Q believer, I am ready to bash my head up against the wall. So we will start with what I think was the biggest news, and that was um, Senator McConnell opening the the Senate floor discussions today with probably his most direct endorsement of Trump's involvement in the insurrection, uh, where he essentially said that Trump incited the violence, and I think that's huge considering – um, the Senate's role in the impeachment process and McConnell's role in maybe potentially swaying the votes of the Republican Party. I foresee this coming down to a um, a battle between two old men, Trump and McConnell, who's still loyal to the old guard of Mitch McConnell and who is loyal to this new wave um, of Trump. And as far as his his hold on the Republican Party, because whether we want to admit it or not, he has a very strong hold on the Republican Party, primarily in the House, not so much in the Senate. So um, what is your thoughts on what McConnell said and how do you foresee this playing out? Well, right now, I mean, I think obviously as far as McConnell's remarks 
uh, concerned. I mean, it's one of those things where I guess you can't be picky when there is actually a stance taken like that. But it's it, it's such a frustrating thing because while you you need a lot of these Republicans to actually take that stance where what happened on January the 6th should have been universally condemned by everybody, I, I'm also kind of taking those words with a grain of salt because a lot of these – Republicans were very happy to enable or allow the stuff Trump has done to build to this point. And even though I'm not saying that McConnell had a direct role in this type of thing happening, he didn't help the situation. So I do want to state it, at least for the record, that while what he said was, I think, the right thing to do, we have to kind of be very wary of motives. Because McConnell is somebody who's very opportunistic with what he does. That being said, you're absolutely right. What he what he said was very important because right around the time of the first impeachment, you knew exactly what the result was going to be. The Republicans as a whole, with maybe the exception of I think Mitt Romney, were going to unite pretty much against impeachment. Whereas now you, at least with McConnell openly saying, yeah, Trump was directly responsible for this type of stuff, you are dropping serious hints that impeachment as a whole is possible. Now, the reason I think he did and said what he said is that if impeachment goes forward and there is actually a conviction, then Trump could potentially be barred from running again. And McConnell, I think, sees an opportunity in this particular impeachment to get rid of Trump or have him as a non-factor in elections coming up. In other words, he's willing to make his own deal, get what he wants, and then possibly go back to the same type of you know political you know you know obstructionism that he had before. Although I do want to state it for the record as well that if that really is his tactic, then it shows how woefully he misunderstands just what Trump has done to this party. Yeah, um, I don't have any doubt in my mind that this is um, this is a power play by McConnell. Um, I, I had said I had said either in person uh, to a couple people or in private to you um like months and months ago that McConnell was only along on the ride as long as he got the Senate still. When the Senate didn't come through and what I consider to be um partially uh to blame Trump's role in, in the campaigning or lack thereof because the majority of his his campaigning in Georgia at the rallies for the two senators were Basically, him complaining about the rig, rigged election and continuing to sow doubt in the system or the, the electoral system, which didn't do anything to encourage people to come out and vote, they ultimately lose the runoff, and they no longer have control of, of Congress at, at any point, um, the House or uh, in the Senate. I think he's really looking for a way to, to get rid of Trump within the party. Um the issue that I see with that is that Trump's base is extremely loyal, and we're, we'll touch on this in a little bit. There are 
forces at work in the shadows with with the philosophy of a lot of Trump supporters and that I don't think Congress, Trump, or anybody in D.C. fully understands what they're really dealing with when it comes to the general public right now. It's it's insane out here. It is absolutely, just excuse my French, batshit crazy. Um, and there are so many people who have so many different stories and variations of Trump's role in our society to where he's he's essentially, you, you'll never get rid of him. And um, he, he might he might be the most powerful person in America right now, bar none. And, and I hate to say that. And the only thing that's probably our saving grace is that he doesn't truly understand uh, what he means to these people. Like to him, it's still a, it's still a simplistic uh, site, a, a goal. I want to be president. I want to win. Like it's still very simple. He has no true ambition. And I think that is our only saving grace. If Trump was ambitious and and intelligent, this could be something that truly could. And I'm not trying to exaggerate. I'm I'm just telling you about what I've heard from people who are deep into this this belief. But it, if you listen to what people are saying and you look at how much faith they have in this man and and what they think he means to society right now. He could bring this. He could bring the country down. Literally, could bring the country down. And like I said, thankfully, he's not that ambitious, and that is our only saving grace. However, he is very spiteful. He's very petty. If McConnell does ultimately stick the knife in his back during the impeachment process, I am concerned about what could possibly happen next when he has no um, motivation to not be unhinged. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I think is actually even scarier to your point. And this was something that was pointed out to me when a lot of these guys on the sticks and stuff, even on the rallies, when Don Jr. was trying to get them amped up, is you have a situation where in the same way that the Republicans thought that they could kind of control Trump, when in reality they couldn't, Trump, I don't think, can control what he's created. Mm-hmm. Like, Trump has started to kind of tone things down a bit to the, in the sense that I think he's fully, or at least to a degree, started to grasp the legal position he has now put See, the minute that this turned violent, the minute you had cops dying at, you know, Capitol Hill, the minute that you basically had a legitimate attempt to overturn this election, that was when a lot of, I think that's, I think that was kind of a bit of a sobering moment for him, because I think that kind of put him in the position of, oh God, like, this is something I could actually get, like, I he wanted to hype things up because I think he had, like what you were saying, was it, it's not even so much a lack of ambition with him. I think he doesn't have a foothold in reality. Like, I think all the years that he's done TV 
And I think a lot of his supporters are also in this mindset where, like, what happened on the – they view it, like I talked about, as almost like a film type thing, where they really thought that, like, the mere presence alone was going to be enough to make Congress come to their senses. And you and I know that's not how reality works. You know, the government has been around for over, you know, 200 years. They're not just going to, you know, they're not just going to bow down like that. And, you know, I I think Trump, when he realized that this actually got violent and that he could potentially be implicated, now all of a sudden it's, uh uh-oh, like, this 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 could be a huge problem. And what was being said during the January sixth, you know, stuff amongst the crowd, when Don Jr. was trying to hype him up with that, you guys aren't in control. That you know, this is like this is ours now. And I think that's the part that's really scary, and it's almost a transition because the GOP made their deal with Trump in the idea that look we have specific policy goals that we want to get done. We're going to have a majority in both houses. All we need is him to go along and back us, and you know we'll be willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that that happens. But you can't control him because I think over time he sort of realized that he was the party. It wasn't them anymore. He wasn't their puppet. It was the other way around. Well, unfortunately, I think with this particular movement, it's now potentially starting to go beyond Trump to where they are going to be the ones who are going to, you know, potentially go their own route and take things to, you know, to another level. And yeah. And I don't, he doesn't wield the control over them that I, I'm like, don't get me wrong. You're absolutely right in the sense that there is definitely a portion of his base, particularly in the QAnon community that have a very, that that revere him in a very cult-like manner. But I think there's also a portion of that base that also sees that, like, he's automatically kind of starting to kick his feet up and be like, all right, you know, like you said, I'm done. And maybe starting to see things like, hey, why were you referring to some of those capital rioters as Antifa? or Black Lives Matter. Hey, how come you issued over 100 pardons on your last day in office and none of them included the people who stormed the Capitol? Like, they're they're starting to see that, like, he is, you know, know, that there's certain things that he's not doing or lines he's not crossing. So they're willing to potentially take it to that next, I guess, to that next phase. So... So here's the thing, um, and, and we'll put it out there. We're primarily referring to QAnon. QAnon is is it's a small piece of a larger puzzle. Um, and to briefly paraphrase what I've gathered from QAnon as far as what they believe, um, QAnon believes that there is a um, – satanic elite uh, circle you you can call them the Illuminati I guess Um, I haven't heard them referred to as the Illuminati but it sounds like what people refer to the Illuminati as so anyway there's a satanic behind the shadows group of elites 
who are pretty much behind all the evil in the world. Ironically, most of these elites are Hollywood-based, high-ranking politicians, and and just basically anybody that's really, really liberal with money. And um, there is a bloodline uh, to the elites that every president, including Obama and so forth, have had connections with. However, Trump does not have that bloodline. And Q is um, part of the military faction that wants to fight back against the elites. And Q has this information on everything that's going on as far as the, the plans for Trump to arrest or eliminate these elites. And in this, in this theory, Trump is the hero that we've always wanted and needed, and he's going to uh, bring all this to the light um, and that he is actually a man of the people because he's not of the elite bloodline and he, he's, he's fighting against them. Now, there's different versions where Trump was chosen or Trump volunteered to do it. I think that's irrelevant. The issue and the root of the problem for me is two things. One, Trump is the hero in this scenario. I, I can't get behind that, but people really buy into that. Two is that this, to me, this story is so obviously a right-wing troll that I just don't understand why people have grasped on it so so like quickly. Um, QAnon interest i would say after the um the quarantine it probably went up six times as much on most most uh surveys as far as like um facebook groups um parlor and just in general people talking about it searches and everything it really went up during the quarantine um now to what you were saying uh as far as um like how things haven't come to fruition and it looks like, you know, people are going to turn on Trump in my research, <clears throat> there was a, um, and we, and you talked about like the cult theory. Um, I've heard other people refer to his following as a cult in my research. There was a, uh, you could call him a, a cult expert, uh, somebody who spent a lot of time studying cults and, and had uh, infiltrated cults and, done a lot of research on the mentality of a cult. Um, there is a um, tactic that the cult leaders use uh, where, to put it in plain man's terms, I, can, I call it the choose-your-own-adventure method, where they create these scenarios where even when they're wrong, they can, they can flip it to a positive to, to make sure or instill more faith in their... Uh, in their purpose. So the example that he gave was that um, back in the 70s or something, there was this cult that was supposed to, uh, <clears throat> the world was supposed to end on this random date. The aliens were supposed to come and take the, the people away. Well, when the day came and the aliens didn't come and the people didn't get taken away, there was issues, obviously. People were like, we were lied to. They, they lost faith in it. Well, the cult leader was like, no, what happened was 
is that the aliens spoke to me and told me that we did such a good job down here in, in the way we're living and, and the way we're uh, preaching to the people that they decided to extend our, our destruction and give us a chance to make the world a better place. And people bought back into that uh, mentality. If you look through some of Trump's methods, it kind of fits that pattern. And I'm not accusing him of of doing this intentionally. I I truly think that the man is just is he's so I don't respect his intelligence enough to give him credit for for playing along with with this particular conspiracy or um having that level of intelligence to manipulate people to that effect, but he has that same kind of draw. And that is why I have concerns going forward on how things are going to work out if, if he doesn't get his way with the impeachment or in general, if he decides to make his own party, because um, the QAnon people are now moving on their own accord, uh, on their own accord with things that they think are signals from Trump or Trump's followers. If you look through the history of his presidency from 2017 until now, there has been breadcrumbs, as they refer to them, uh, dropped either by Eric, by Don Jr., by Trump himself, or people um, who are associated with him um, and, and kind of boosting these QAnon supporters. We've got two people linked to QAnon already in the House, uh, House Representative Green, and then I forgot the other lady's name. I think Green is from Georgia, and the other lady is from like Colorado. Um, they've tried to distance themselves from it a little, but Trump has openly called Green uh, a rising star or future star in the Republican Party. He has there are reports that in private he has um, said things like QAnon just sounds like people who, who respect government, et cetera, et cetera. But the fear is that a lot of the, the mentality of the QAnon folks and their, their vision is essentially a dictatorship for Donald Trump. And that is why Trump doesn't speak out against them negatively because he needs their support. But again, we're, we're dealing with, with people who, are basically a little nutty and they don't have leadership. And when you have these factions that start moving without leadership, um, it creates probably more of a problem. And I've seen over, like, you know, you sent me a link and I've seen uh, online where they're starting to uh, be considered a domestic terrorist organization. And um, there are significant links to how they operate um, that makes them look like a terrorist cell. Um, I've done a little bit of research on on terrorist cells and how they operate. I'm not I'm not an expert, but I you know looking at the basics of of how they formulate and how they recruit, this is very concerning to me uh, going forward. And and I really think you know we don't we haven't spent a lot of time on Joe Biden. Um, I am going to try to dedicate at least 15, 20 minutes at the end of the show to him as well, because there are things that we need to talk about um, that are already happening in the midst of his transition. But he really needs to prioritize addressing this conspiracy, not necessarily by name, but through a what I think should be a uh, very tactical and um, 
um, intense approach to creating, um, I guess, trust in the government or at least in the system. It doesn't necessarily have to be, when I say government, I think that might be too broad, but in the process of the voting and the process of democracy, he has to reestablish that, that trust in the process. Um, and if he doesn't, this, this is something that I truly think would be a problem for years and years and years to come. Well, keep it, one of the big things in that article that I sent you that I think is really interesting. Well, first off, one thing I do have to say about QAnon that I think you um, you you uh, didn't mention that is actually a very big part of it and just kind of ties into Trump is it's the, the secret cable of just all these elitist people, academics, scientists, politicians, you know, government officials, et cetera, who are basically, you know, and it's the pedophilia, actually, that's mm-hmm. yes. just mentioned. Yes. That's what you, and what's, what's funny about that is, to a certain degree, they're actually not wrong about that. When you look at, like, the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, mm-hmm. how, like, you know, like, there is a modicum of truth to the fact that there are people in power, not necessarily the people that they mentioned, but there are people in power who have abused their positions, especially when it comes to younger women. Again, in the case of Epstein, although the one thing that they conveniently overlook is that Trump's name is on Trump, some of the yeah. white ones. Yeah, he was, I mean, he, he was, he was friends with them. Yeah, oh yeah, he, he knew exactly who he was, and that was actually part of the reason that Trump always gets pissed when anybody, you know, doesn't mention anything about Bill Clinton, is that he was close with Bill Clinton, whose name is also on there. And mm-hmm. when he says that, like, hey, Clinton has said and done worse, he's not wrong. It's just, you know, we're not talking about Clinton when he mentions that stuff. It's like, usually when he gets called out on something. But anyway, one of the things in that article, though, that they mentioned is the fact that groups like QAnon and these right-wing militias and stuff like that, they have always, or at least they've been around for a while, particularly the militias. And the, the reason that, you know, there was never sort of this existential threat, although it was, I mean, you saw it at Waco, you saw it in the Oklahoma City bombing, you know, you saw it when the Bundys took over that government building in Oregon, that there is always this faction that is willing to take it one step further. Thing is, is that they never really had any kind of coordinated cause or leadership. There was always a different goal. Trump provided a unifying thing in there, and which I don't think he intended to do. I don't think he understands what these and who these people really are. And I think January 6th was kind of a reflection of that. Like I don't like he was saying stuff to get them riled up. That's what he does. He just says stuff. And then if it blows up, he just tries to claim that he didn't do it. He's not he's not smart enough to coordinate this type of thing. I don't like he doesn't understand people like that. He understands the media, but not the people. And the message that they were able to unify behind, if not him, was just stop the steal. Even though you had these various groups who were notably either right wing or anti government, they were unifying behind the cause that they were there to basically stop what was being told to them as an illegal election. And that is what allows them to connect. And it's, what, it's the biggest reason, I would think, as to why Twitter ultimately not only picked Trump off, but dropped like 70,000 accounts of QAnon, is that 
that platform was now being used to coordinate, you know, meetups and stuff like that that potentially could have very violent outcomes, which is something that kind of gets lost in the whole, was Twitter right in, you know, blocking a lot of these people? And it's, it's, I think what's really scary about that is that, you know, Trump, I think, is in, a, is in a point where he has to really, like, he has to kind of watch himself. Even, and this is the one thing that, like, Trump is all about self-preservation. That's his number one goal. That's always, always, always what he is about. And the one thing that makes me hesitate about him being, quote-unquote, unhinged is that now he's on, like, now he's under the, you know, the watchful gaze of the government. You know, this is no longer, like, he's not going to have the presidential protections before. You know, this is something where, hey, if you actually incite violence against the government, you could actually be held seriously accountable for it. And I, I don't, I, I have a hard time thinking that he's going to take that final step because Trump will do what is best for him. And ultimately, any kind of, you know, coordinated thing by QAnon or by these militias isn't going to necessarily, it's not going to have an immediate success. If they were to do it, I mean, it's, it would take time and it would take, I mean, it would just tear the, the country apart to do it. It's not something that could be done that quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he, yeah, he's, it's, he's not willing to do that. Yeah, it's it's just a shaky situation. And I'm not trying to like, scare anybody that's listening to this or anything like that. Uh, I mean, the goal of this podcast was for us to uh, just have conversation, obviously be aware of what's going on and just kind of inform each other and our listeners on the things that are going on. <clears throat> and um, like I said, I, I spent, you know, I text you what Sunday and was like, yeah, let me get a couple more days. Um, and then, and, and I have been doing a lot of research on it. And like I said, it's, it is um it is disturbing uh that people have so much um conviction in their beliefs with something like this um and especially with Trump being the figurehead and how delicate the situation really is um to a lot of people and um I just worry about somebody like him having that much influence, you know? It's it's a little oh, different. It's a little different from the Trump rallies. I and I and I want to make sure, you know, if if nobody hears anything that we say for the rest of the show, I want to make sure that people understand. There there in my mind are three factions in the Republican Party right now. And and there might be uh, equal factions on on the Democratic side. We just don't know about them yet. Um, there's the regular Republicans or conservatives that we know, the Mitch McConnells. There is what I consider the new wave people who are part of MAGA, um, and those are the Trump supporters that we typically see. Um, on on the Daily Show and things like that, people making fun of them, et cetera, okay? And then there are conspiracy theorists for right-wing nutcases, and those are who I'm pushing QAnon to for right now um, <laughs> because a lot of the stuff that I was hearing and a lot of the stuff 
that I see on what they believe in and, and what they're saying, it's just, that's just what they are. They're nutcases for right now. And, and I hate to disrespect people who might believe in that stuff, but Trump can't be the hero, man. It just, it just, I just can't get down with that. There's no way that he's a hero. And I made a comment today to uh, somebody that I had interviewed um, who was a QAnon believer and they asked me, you know, why, why is this so hard to believe? And I said, because I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, and, and I just don't think Trump is a good Jack Sparrow. And that's essentially what you're telling me he is <laughs> in my mind. So, well, well, I would say one thing we also want to keep in mind, and this is something I think that also – it's not that it necessarily gives me like a degree of comfort, but I think it's something that – and it was based on that tweet. I don't know if you got this, uh, the text that I sent you, the, um, the screenshot where the guy was talking about you know, the ones who want to incite like a violent revolution. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that a lot of these QAnon people get count on is that whatever things that they have set up, whatever notions that they have of a violent revolution, it is almost cartoonishly misinformed. Like the, the people who, you know, stormed the Capitol and stuff like that, on, you know, January 6th, you know, they had been talking in there about how they should come back with guns and guns. But notice how they were also emboldened because it was like 5,000 of them against three cops. You now had state government capitals that were completely on lockdown. You had National Guard out. You had a whole bunch of other things there. And, I mean, again, I'm knocking on wood, of course, but they haven't they haven't gone on mass, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. now you're seeing that you would actually be up again if you were to actually attempt something like this. And it's not going to go the way that you think. You had 5,000 against three because, you know, for reasons that we could probably dedicate another show to, people did just naturally assume the Trump rally would not get violent, that it would just basically be, you know, just a bunch of talking and chants and then everybody would go home. And it's like now you're seeing, like there are already been like a couple hundred arrests I think so far. It's mm-hmm. like now you guys are, like the government is now on to you guys. The same government that you believe is all powerful. It's like did you, that's the, that's the thing I don't quite understand. You believe there's this all powerful table of, you know, of, of politicians and the conglomerate of you know, brilliant, you know, devious people that are all powerful. It's like, did you, did, did you think it was going to be that easy to take them out if it, even if it was true? That there wouldn't be reprisal? That there wouldn't be, a, like, what did you think was going to happen? It's like, it, even if what you guys are saying is 100% true, if you go against that group and you now threaten that group, they're, they're going to come after you. This, this isn't like something where they're going to be like, oh boy, well, they figured this out. I guess we should all go home. You know, like this is, they, that's the part I feel like they're, they're not quite understanding. Yeah, and I explained that to somebody um, off the record as well. Like, look, you know, you can make as many comparisons as you want. The, the capital is the capital, man. I can go out here and, and, um, and I, I was, my analogy was I can go out here. And, and rob um, rob my my local grocery store, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get punished. Sure, 
But if I go out and rob my local bank, it is a totally different degree of punishment, you know? Uh, we're talking about, like, people talking about, I watch cities burn, and this, you know, and they just went to the cap. No, 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 no. It just does not work that way. And, um, you know, like you said, we could dedicate another show to a lot of stuff. Um, I've got a ton of jokes on on um, the difference between Black Lives Matter protests and, and the Stop the Steal protests. I, I mean, I've got a ton of material on that. But, um, again, I, w- I won't use that on this show but just the um just some of the information that was that's been coming out about um about the uh the assault on the capitol is it just kind of it just shines a light on how ridiculous this country is right now how much misinformation has been like polluting our um our media and polluting um social media it's it's just uh it's just a hot mess and um i was thinking you know before we got on how different the next four years will be because whether joe biden keeps his promises or not he's not going to be a proponent of of pushing um anti-media in regards of calling people fake news and things like that and he's not going to be out here pushing that the election is rigged or or playing the victim like, you know, people are, are attacking me and I didn't do anything and what was me. Trump did a lot of that and um it it wasn't it wasn't a good relationship from the start with the media and and it just got worse throughout the four years. I I don't anticipate that Biden will have the same issues per se. But there, there'll always be different factions. Like Fox News is never going to be openly uh, happy with a Democratic president, regardless of who it is. CNN isn't going to openly be happy with the with the Republican president. So, I mean, those those two entities will always be um, on the opposite end with their preferences. But just in general, the the biases that we see coming from people online now is just I don't know if we'll ever get by that, man. But I wanted to um I wanted to talk about a funny what I thought was a funny moment in the uh, in the insurrection or capital attack. Do you remember when the guys did you see the video of the guys going through Ted Cruz's desk? I actually didn't know they got to Ted Cruz's office. Oh my god. So it's, it's I thought it was the best thing ever and I, I looked up the um I looked up the transcript just so I can kind of read it to you uh, because it's funny. So um, let's see. I think there was three, three or four guys ended up like at his desk. Right. And one guy's like scrummaging through his stuff. And he's like, he was going to sell us all out all along. Look and listen to this. He goes, objection to counting the electoral votes. If the state of Arizona or objection to counting the electoral votes of the state of Arizona. Then he paused, and then he goes, oh, wait, that's actually okay. So he read that and thought, like, he didn't even, like, he couldn't even comprehend that at that moment Ted Cruz was actually doing what they wanted in objecting to the uh, to the voting or the certification. So um, somebody that was with him was like, wait, he's with us. And then somebody else was like, nah, 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 there, there's got to be something here. Then nobody's basically with us. Like they were just, there was just this 
mistrust even amongst the people who came in there. And uh, at the end, when they couldn't find anything, one of the guys kind of started feeling um, a little guilty about what they were doing. And the justification from somebody was, it's okay, Cruz would want us to do this. And that just kind of goes to the hysteria that a lot of them really feel, man. Like a lot of people are telling themselves that this is what Trump wanted. And I don't know, I know you feel a certain way about what happened. And and I think we're kind of on the same page in the sense that leading up to the event, there was a lot of things said that could be twisted and and used as motivation for people to act the way that they eventually started acting. I think that Giuliani was worse, and I think that Trump Jr. was worse. But at the end of the day, everybody listens to Donald Trump. They're looking to hear from Donald Trump, and he didn't help the situation either. So um, I, I can see where people want to place blame or a lot of blame on him. But th- I don't think – I personally don't think that this rally is what led to this. I think this is an accumulation of years and years and years of getting fed bullshit by Trump and his administration and getting constantly like barraged with this, this feeling that somebody is attacking you. They're attacking democracy. Like I had one of my friends today said that like she was trying to uh, show me that basically being a conservative is under attack in America. Like being a Republican is under attack in America and I love her to death, but I laughed it off and told her that under no circumstances, Will I have a pity party for conservatives or Republicans because they're supposed to be the party of the tough? Like their whole persona is that liberals and Democrats are weak, uh, they're they're soft, you know. And now you're telling me you're the victim? I'm just not gonna let that lie. But if you listen to what people are saying in these videos that are unedited, a lot of them carry this this um temperament that they're under attack it's not democracy but their america like their mentality or their vision of what america is is under attack and they're screaming 1776 and things like that and and it's just wrong like it's not that bad so i i I just like i said i don't know if we can ever if that can be changed because trump isn't going to come out and, and really say anything to change it. And I know people are going to argue that he has, but with every time he's he's denounced what took place at the Capitol, he's reiterated that the election was stolen. So you tell me what that really means. It's a sorry, well, not sorry. Also, oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, I, I think and I mean, you're, 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 you're hitting on a really important issue that this was a culmination of things. This was not, and kind of again, you know, in in the same way that Trump didn't create the divisions that we have now, he just fanned the flames and fanned, you know, deepened the divide. You know, those divisions were always there, and they've been built. But it's a culmination of various things. Like I hate to say it, but you know, like it's like Obama's famous adage about. Uh, Fox News, where he goes, if I if all I did every day was consume Fox News, I wouldn't vote for me either. You know, like people who exist a lot in these echo chambers and are fed a constant cycle of things like Fox News and what actually what, what's going to be interesting to me is to see what direction Fox News takes. 
you know, they recently, I think, just let go or fired one of the, you know, anchors on their show who, you know, officially called Arizona for Biden. So I don't know if this is Fox News doubling down to show that they're going to go that far right wing or if they're going to try to distance themselves or what's going to happen. But what we saw on the 6th was at the very start, you know, I mean, Trump as far back as 2015 was saying that, you know, once he got the nomination was basically dropping hints that if he lost, it was going to be because he was cheated. No other reason. He was dropping that from as far back as 2015. So we probably could even save up to five years of being steadily fed that. And then you view everything on Fox News from the and all these conservative news outlets that are basically talking about the Democrats doing X, Democrats doing Y. And I even had a conversation with, you know, one of my coworkers is out in Chicago who I actually didn't even know was a Trump supporter when we were talking about why I was still working from you know, my parents' place instead of being in D.C. And she mentioned something along the lines of how, like, the government, you know, the censorship, like the government is censoring Trump supporter outlets and not letting them fly on planes. And it's like, do you, do you guys not understand that it's like, they're not censoring the Twitter accounts because people voted for Trump. They're censoring them because they may have potentially been involved with wanting to do more violent action. They're not letting the people on trial, not because they're supporting Trump, but because they took part in a damn insurrection. It, it's not based on their political affiliation. Like, they're not going to say, oh, you, you voted Trump, therefore you can't fly on this plane. No, they're saying you took place in a violent insurrection to overthrow a completely legitimate government. <laughs> that makes you a terrorist. You know, and... A lot of the people who I think took place in this are fed a steady diet of fear. And, you know, they, they are believed that everything that they hold here is under attack. And a lot of people, and this is why I'm sorry, this is one of the reasons why I will never, I don't care how much Joe Rogan says he's a misunderstood guy and how many times he's had him on his podcast. Like guys like Alex Jones had a hand in stuff like this because they constantly peddle this that the government is out to get you, that the government is out to kill you. It's always a democratic government, of course. Yeah. Trump was never out to get us. You know, it's just always when the Democrats are in charge that, you know, that, that, that things are going to get bad and things are going to get stolen and people's wealth is going to get stolen and distributed to people who don't need it. And we're going to get lazy and all this type of stuff. It's always when they're in charge. And it's always interesting because then when the Republicans are in charge, like they have in the past 40 years, they start to do and embolden and enable some of the behavior that you said the Democrats are going to do. It's just it's it's it's, it's incredible to me. Yeah, and and it's something that needs to be said. It goes both ways. Um, I mean, I see the same sensationalism on CNN on um, certain topics, and I see the same um, like bias when it comes to Trump on certain topics. Uh, that I saw on Fox News when Obama was in office. Granted, it, it's coded different, obviously, for obvious reasons, but um, the the bare minimum of of I don't like them because they're red or I don't like them because they're blue is still there. Um, but the thing that um, that bothers me is that when Obama was president for eight years, we heard a lot of the same crap that basically Republicans are doing right now. 
You know, like it's it's flipped, and and they don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that it's like that. And and I get that with with my liberal friends as well. Like if I ever talk to them or, or pick on them about the fact that they essentially sound just like the conservative people that they have just basically said are are the worst of the worst, um, they get mad at me too. And and one thing that I just want to keep reminding people. Um, who are Trump supporters and who don't really understand why people don't like them or, or feel a certain way. You really need to hold your president accountable. You really need to hold your um, the person that you have this high regard for, you need to hold him accountable. Words have meanings. There are plenty of examples where Trump has been just aggressive and overall unpresidential, unprofessional, just a loathsome person when it comes to certain topics that are near and dear to people uh, at the, like for the sake of his base, for the sake of empowering his base. Um, and so you've essentially isolated yourselves uh, in your own echo chamber where you don't want to talk to people outside of it because nobody likes you. Nobody likes you. Nobody likes you because of what they think you represent when you wear your Trump 2020 stuff or your your Make America Great Again gear. Like, that is what you created. And that's what I want people to understand. Like, you guys created this. Like, this is what you your president campaigned on. This is what you ran behind as far as the movement. That negative energy is what you built your base and foundation on as a, as a political stance. So... You need to stay on that, you know. You need if you're gonna support it. Like my my friend today was like she didn't want to get a um a, a MAGA um face mask. I said why not? And she was like because I I don't want to deal with what's going like you know the the comments behind it. I said well if you feel strongly enough about something and you know it's not wrong, why are you afraid to wear it? Why are you afraid to support it? If I got a Black Lives Matter shirt. And I felt strongly about Black Lives Lives Matter. I would wear it because to me it's not controversial, you know. And I was like, yeah, so, I, I, but, but I was gonna say, you know, uh, there's a lot of hidden guilt or underlying guilt with with Trump supporters that they they don't want to come to grips with that they again created. Like you have to take ownership for that energy you created this. Nobody's putting this on you. People, when Trump first started running, it was a joke. Nobody wanted, nobody hated him until he started being an asshole. Well, and I think the other extension of what you're saying is one of the messages I would give to Trump supporters about this and why this has been frustrating for me is, look, I understand, first off, if you didn't want to vote, if you voted Trump because you didn't think Hillary Clinton was a great candidate, that's fine. There are a lot of reasons why Hillary Clinton was not a great candidate. If you voted for Trump because you literally felt like, hey, if these eight years under Obama, the situation that I've been living in in this part of the country has not improved, and I feel like that there are only certain areas, particularly the cities, that tend to get more of the relief, especially in the wake of the economic recession, and my communities haven't gotten any better, and that... I don't see why four years of Hillary Clinton, which is basically, you know, the same Democratic administration is going to change things. 
I get that. That's not necessarily your fault. That's the fault that, hey, we have a two-party system where if you don't like choice A, you're basically stuck with choice B or voting for a choice C that is going to get only um, small fractions of votes because they're not really, you know, the libertarian candidates only get the smallest percentages. But what you have to understand is we, I don't, I don't blame a lot of the Trump supporters for wanting to support him on a lot of those types of stances. But that does not necessarily mean that you are obligated to support all of them. You know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. support – you could have voted for Trump in 2016 because of that, because you didn't trust the Democratic candidate that you ran. For the same reason, you maybe don't trust Biden because you just see him as the same extension of that same political establishment that didn't do much for you. I get that. There's a lot of Democrats who feel that way. A lot of Democrats don't feel that Joe Biden is like our Lord and Savior. They don't think he's the solution. They just think, look, right now our job is just to get Trump out. That's how a lot of Democratic voters approach this. But what you have to understand is we don't blame you for voting for Trump. We blame you for enabling the poisonous behavior and the very violent action of a certain segment of his supporters that have come out. The whataboutisms don't help in those scenarios. You can be a Trump voter and tell those guys who stormed the Capitol, hey, man, screw you. That's not, what I, that's not why I voted for him. That's not what I support. I supported him because I think that he's the only one who's making them understand those you know, issues X, Y, and Z. But because there seems to be this universal unspoken assumption that because you voted Trump, you now have to support everything that happens in association with him. No, you don't. Like, no, you don't. There are some gun owners who don't support, who like don't like what the NRA does. They're not under an obligation to support them, even though they all happen to agree with the idea of, you know, owning guns. They make a distinction, saying, no, 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 no. We support sensible gun control. We're not associated with those psychos. Like you, you have to make those distinctions. I've like a lot of my family voted Trump. Like my mom was one of the people who voted Trump. I don't like I don't think she did it for a lot of those particular reasons. Like I don't think they necessarily think that, but they they looked at Hillary Clinton and were like, No, here's reasons X, Y, and Z. But they don't condone what happened. But they need to be able to say that. They need to be able to say, No, hey man, this is this is that's a line you don't come back from. You you can do both. You have to be able to do both. Otherwise, we're going to assume that if you support what happened, like I'm sorry, but we're going to look at you and be like, how? Yeah, and I have an uncle that voted Trump. I mean, I'm not. I don't hate anybody that voted Trump. I just, I just dislike yeah. the the um, people who don't want to admit why things are the way that they are in regards to why people don't like Trump. Um, that would be my only issue. Uh, so we are running into our, our hour. So we've got about four to five minutes left. Um, I want to thank everyone for, you know, listening. I know we get about 40, 50 listeners, which is, I think is pretty good for a fringe podcast. that's just kind of starting. Um, we started what election day, basically, um, or the day, the day before the election or so on. But, um, I want to thank you for, um, 
being the co-host on this and, and helping me take this on. Cause like I said, typically I only talk about sports. So um, I have uh, enjoyed some of the research I've done and the things I've learned and engaging the different people who believe in different things. Um, it's been, to me, it's been pretty, uh, pretty um, cool to sum it up as simply as possible. It's been a pretty cool uh, adventure so far. So, I wanted to touch on some of the Biden things um, and then also make fun of our guy, Lindsey Graham, before we leave. Um, I want to also tell people that there is somebody driving through the Capitol um, as of the last, like, 30 minutes blasting the purge siren. So, yeah, if you were thinking about going to the inauguration uh, tomorrow, like, just to be, like, blocks and blocks away – Keep your head on the swivel. I hate to say that because the last time I said that, they stormed the Capitol. But, um, again, just be cautious, be aware, be vigilant. There, Like I said, there are a lot of things at play right now uh, with, with people just being absolutely crazy um, that there is potential for innocent people to be harmed. So you just want to make sure you um, keep in mind to be vigilant. Uh, just – some of the things I was reading about the inauguration, it does seem kind of surreal. Uh, the LA Times have reported in an article that staff members were buying like bulletproof vests and like gas masks. Like that is crazy. That is crazy. That yeah. is what we, and, and again, <clears throat> I said this months and months ago, I'm going to say it one more time. We are a third world country right now. That is who we are. We might be a superpower, but we are the first third world superpower. And that is partially thanks to Trump and partially thanks to the people who oppose Trump. Like, this is what you guys created. You created this, this atmosphere. Um, and, and all of us, to some extent, share the blame uh, because we let it get this bad. So, you know, this is what we got to deal with. Um, it sucks for Joe Biden to come into something like this. And I really think that, again, he needs to really work on repairing that trust in the system and the process um, of of what we do as a democracy. I think it's a little deeper than um, people want to give it credit for. One of the things that I wanted to touch on uh, also before we left, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, have you heard about the news out of Georgia and the stimulus checks? The only news stuff I've heard out of Georgia have actually been more related to Trump in terms of how uh, some of the, was it the, I think it was the Attorney General in Atlanta, actually mm-hmm. is potentially looking into criminal charges against okay. Trump for his attempted interference. That's about the only news I've been hearing out of Georgia. So uh, Joe Biden more or less campaigned or supported the two Democratic uh, senator runoffs with the basically saying, implying directly, indirectly, that if you voted for them, you would get $2,000. People were campaigning down there, going door to door, getting people to vote for the Democratic senators because they were telling them that this is your only chance to get $2,000 because Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party, 
gave you 600 they're not going to go up to 2000 but if you get these two people in you're going to get your $2000 checks Biden's plan has been rolled out um and it includes a $1400 check the Biden people not Joe Biden himself or Kamala or anybody else like like that uh, or Kamala sorry um it's it's basically the people who uh were helping campaign down there what they're telling people Paul is that well you got $600 from Trump and Biden's giving you 1400 so that's your $2000 check there's literally a timeline you can go back on Twitter you can look at like you can look at their campaigns and see where they were still talking about getting a $2000 check after people had already received the $600 so people are mad because they're saying no it should be $2,600 that I'm getting, not $2,000. Like they're saying that they shorted them $600. So now there's a lot of people down there who feel betrayed because literally Joe Biden is coming into office and he's already not delivered on a potential promise that a lot of people were depending on, especially in the state of Georgia. What is your take on that? And, and how do you feel like this plays out politically. Well, I mean, I think first off, we need to see, you know, I guess what the ultimate package ends up being. He, I mean, he's like this is all at this particular point. Just, you know, it's it's all talk. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we we have like they haven't drawn up. I mean, this could all very well change. You know, Biden is saying one thing, but he still needs Congress to approve it, which means that Congress is going to go in. And they're going to have to make their own provisions. So for all we know, it could go, it could be too bad. But I do think that it is very important that if that's something they campaign on, that's something that they follow through with. Because again, the whole the whole theme for Trump running in 2016 was this idea of a government elite that is so out of touch with people that it can't get simple things done, it can't come through on promises, and they need an outsider who's not bound to any of those types of loyalties, lobbying, and to get things done. So I think it is very important that they do follow through on this. But I think before we, you know, jump the gun on any of the trail stuff, we need to see what happens with the actual package itself. Because it's going to be is going to be fought over. Like, there's going to be debate on it, regardless of the fact that the Democrats now have a majority in both houses. So while I do agree with you that I think I, it's a very important thing, I say let's first figure out it and see what happens when the package itself comes through. Because I'm sure there are going to be people who are a little bit more further left, like AOC, who are going to say, hey, no, we promised these people $2,000 let's cut the checks for $2,000. Yeah, and and I want to keep an eye on stuff like this going forward for the show too, so we can kind of uh, discuss how bipartisan deals kind of isolate the basis from time to time because at at the root of our politics in America with the two-party system, a lot of people are still very selfish and they don't want to compromise. So um, I envision that there'll be a lot of compromising on on things that Joe Biden promised 
Um, just because, again, the ultimate task, even though it won't be talked about openly, the ultimate task of this administration is to to fix this divide in the country. Um, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but essentially the liberals, Democrats, et cetera, the people who won the election, they have to be the bigger man and 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 find a way to cross over the lines and, and work together with people, make them feel included. Because again, we have a large portion of the um, of the country who feel attacked, isolated, and I hate to say it, they're white. So it's not like it's not like they're a minority here. So you need you need to more or less kind of cater to them. Because if not, again, we're going to have these issues, man. And uh, some people might roll their eyes at it, but I'm just letting you know that's that's how this country works right now. Um, that's how it's basically always worked. Things don't get done unless white people get offended or want to make it different. Um, so he's got to reach out. He, he has to. It has to be done. And in the process of doing that politically, there are going to be – some casualties um, or collateral in the, in the sense that some of his base or people who voted for him um, might not get exactly what they wanted and they need to kind of come to that realization very soon. Um, But I like what you said about basically being patient and kind of waiting to see what the, what the actual numbers are and and how that plays out. Uh, Because again, there's a lot of people already in Georgia that are talking to the media down there that are already, you know, off the Joe Biden train. Um, and then our buddy Lindsey Graham, flip-flopping Lindsey, wishy-washy Lindsey. I don't have my, um, oh, we don't have a, we don't have a, a song for Lindsey Graham. We need to, I need to find a tune for Lindsey Graham because we do Looney Tunes for Rudy Giuliani. Uh, we need to find something for, for uh, Lindsey. Lindsey Graham is choosing to attend the inauguration over the Trump farewell. Are we seeing him switch sides yet again? Uh, I, I don't know. With, with him, Obama referred to Lindsey Graham in his uh, memoir as basically that trope figure in the political thrillers who ultimately, you know, does whatever he can for self-preservation purposes. So, I mean, I I don't know which section of his base he's trying to appease because the ones who are closer to the QAnon side of things are probably, you know, more, are probably going to be mad that he didn't attend the party, whereas the more moderate Republicans are probably looking at Lindsey Graham of, oh, good, he's trying to be a bridge builder. So I just, I don't know. I, I This man has flip-flopped so much, I just, I can't. It, it's like the Jack Sparrow thing, I guess, in the, in the first movie where they're like, whose side is Jack on uh, at the moment? I have no idea. You know, it's I, I I don't know what to think of Lindsey Graham other than the fact that he just he's so spineless. Like even Mitch McConnell, who I thought was incredibly spineless, has at least shown some semblance of one. Yeah, Lindsey's a snake, man. <laughs> he's a snake for sure, and and he's definitely which is. To me, it's weird. Like, why does he have to do the self-preservation thing? Like, he, he seems to have a pretty strong hold in South Carolina. So I, I don't even know who he's catering to. They're, like, they're not going to vote him out. I mean, he openly flip-flopped during his debate 
uh, this year, and he still won by a wide margin. So I don't understand what his issue is. The same with Mitch McConnell and, and catering to Trump. I didn't understand that from day one because he didn't need Trump. He didn't. He doesn't need that that like uh, diehard MAGA support to win win his um, his place in the Senate. Like he, he doesn't need that. He's a mainstay basically. He's one of those automatics. Ted Cruz is the same way to a certain extent, even though he's come under attack a little bit more recently, but um, he's a mainstay. Rubio, a mainstay. Like, these people are mainstays, so I don't understand why they they cater so much to him, but, I mean, here we are. Everybody's pretty much jump ship. Lindsey's still back and forth, but he will attend the inauguration instead of the the farewell. Um, Again, I just got into politics this year on a on a more serious note. Paul, have they always done farewells for presidents? Uh I I I don't know necessarily about the farewells, mostly because most presidents, although Trump is not necessarily the first to do it, it is, you know, the guy who is decided to snub, most presidents actually show up at the inauguration. It's yeah. just kind of striking me as a type of thing where it's like you have it's like that you know it almost feels like a teen rom com scenario where you know they both plan their sweet sixteens on the same day and you know Trump is the the villainous one who's actually coming to the realization that you know they're all friends with her for superficial reasons you know that's that's <laughs> kind of the vibe I'm getting from this. Yeah, that would actually make more sense than than what I'm trying to make of this this stuff right here. But uh, yeah, so we will be back next week. Um, and I just want to say I'm not going to apologize for my comment about white America. I'm not trying to be a radical, but I just know that'll probably turn some people off. It's just my truth. Um, but we will be back next week for I guess a recap of the inauguration that I'm hoping won't be a hot mess. I really am hoping it won't be a hot mess, even though I kind of jinxed it by by telling people keep their head on the swivel. But we will be back. Um, and I will try to listen out for um, people on the ground, like their thoughts and reactions. And and the, I really like the interviews where, where the reporters go around and just kind of ask random people, like, what they're feeling. Because I feel like it, it's uncut, um, and, and I like that. So um, I'll keep looking out for those interviews and, and try to get us some sound bites on, on, you know, what people are saying that are for Biden and against Biden. And again, as we continue to go on with this show, we will obviously be more uh, Biden-centric with our with our coverage and with our conversations. Um, but we have to come to the realization and accept the fact that we will never get rid of Donald Trump. He will always be somewhere in in the background, um, <laughs> pushing agendas and so forth. And I do look forward to see what happens to him um, when he's not president. If New York brings charges on him at twelve on one tomorrow, I would not be shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, be on the lookout. Uh, obviously, we wish everybody health and safety. Trump going to wherever he's going, and Biden to get through the inauguration. So um, again, we'll be back next week. Thank you guys for listening to the Mod Pop again. Paul, thanks for coming on, man. And uh, we will continue to try to keep you guys as informed as possible.